0: To start any blasphemous rumors, but I think that God's got a sick sense of humor, and when I die, I expect to find him laughing. This is an excerpt from Blasphemous Rumors by Depech Mode, and I think it's a good way to start today's podcast because we're going in deep on today's rabbit hole. Greg, what's going on, man? Um, it's been a week. How's everything been? You ready to get into this or what?
1: Everything's been good. Yeah, I'm ready to go.
0: So, you know, this, this week, Greg, I've been thinking a lot about um, how are people coping with everything? How are people coping with with the, the new lifestyle that we have, um, being afraid of everything? Everything is over-dramatized in the news media today, um, you know, Everything's trying to kill us, whether you live in Australia or you live in the, in the jungles of the Amazon, every something's always after us. And uh, most often than not, we as people tend to believe in the higher in a higher something, whether that's um, you know it, it's a God or it's a set of beliefs or ideas um, in order for you to cope with the reality of life. So this whole week man I've been thinking a lot about religions and I went into this rabbit hole that I can't wait to start sharing with you guys. Greg, do you have any personal experience? I mean we don't have to get into the whole ins and outs of what you believe and and and, and to be and to preface this conversation, I want to make things clear. We're not here to talk bad or good or say anything to offend anybody when it comes to your set of beliefs, they're, they're your own set of beliefs. We're we're no one to judge, but what we are here to do is to question everything, which is the this is the the purpose of this podcast. If you've listened to us before, you already know where to find us. You can find us on at TPP is loading. In all the social media platforms, um, but but anyway, let, let's get into this uh, conversation, Greg. What's your personal belief of a higher self or a higher power? Something out there is it? Is it the universe? Is it a divine being? What do you believe in, man?
1: Uh, I, I I think that everything was created it one of the main reasons i think that that has has to exist is is just like like a lot of people say we're we're small ants in the big picture right Mm -hmm. so if you look at what we do to manipulate in that circumstance that i talked about ants we make like ant farms And does the ant see us outside of the ant farm or does it just know the ant farm? And if, if we're doing that to something an ant in this circumstance, Mm -hmm. then why is it that something can't be doing that to us? So regardless if it's in the way that we think of it, where it's, they have some kind of salvation and they take care of us in the afterlife, or in a sense, maybe they're taking care of us now in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it, we would have to take care of ants and ant farm because they can't go out and find food; they're stuck in an ant farm. We'd have to supply it to them. So I, I think, I think a lot of things were designed. I don't know if it's a hundred percent that it was designed and we were created from nothing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or if we were found by something and molded in in the way we are. And maybe they were created.
0: Well, that's the biggest question that we have, right? As humans is what is the whole purpose of this? Why are we here? And if we were created, why hasn't he or she come back and announced themselves to us? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So this actually led me to a few documentaries, uh, the first of which. But you know what? Before we get there. I'm going to give you my take on it. Okay. I wouldn't call myself agnostic. Uh, I was actually raised Roman Catholic uh, because of my parents. And uh, for the longest time, maybe till I was 20, 27, um, I had a very good connection, I would say, with, with uh, God and Jesus and, and whatnot. And actually, I had a lot of faith. Um, but something that happened to me, which is actually where I started to question things and not necessarily, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's changed my perspective. It just actually made things a little bit blurrier in a sense. So I can't, I'm not going to say it's definitive uh, of what my beliefs are. I think I'm open-minded. I think I'm, Open to whatever the reality is. Um, but anyway, when I was 27, dude, you know, as I told you before, my dad passed away, and um, I was I was at a church. We were doing this ceremony to celebrate his life. When we were 27, we do it every year. And basically, halfway through the uh, what is it? The mass they started playing a bunch of ads like commercial ads and it really turned me off. It was really bizarre. I, I couldn't even begin to explain to you what my feeling was, you know, being that I was there for a for a purpose. I was yeah. there to remember the, the life that my dad lived, you know, it was to uh, keep him in our prayers and everything. And, and here you have us 30 minutes into this ceremony. It was literally 30 minutes of ads. And I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know what to do.
1: What do you mean by ads? Like they were advertising the church or like they were advertising some local community or someone's business with inside the church or something.
0: So it was so it was it was different ads for the church. But they were all basically saying the same thing, which was like. donate, donate, donate 30 minutes of that mm-hmm. as if they had forgotten that we we because for this particular ceremony, you have to pay. It's not free. You have to pay in order for them to even mention your your dad or or your loved one who died. So, you know, me and my family, we just didn't know how to feel. So what I actually did, man, was I stayed behind and I went to the priest and I said, hey, you know, um, I, I just want you to know that this is how I feel. I don't understand if, if, you know, what the purpose of this was. I understand you guys need money. You guys want to rebuild new church. But I've been I've been going to this church for I would say twenty years, and they've always said, "Hey, we're gonna build a new church. We're gonna build a new church. We're gonna build a new church." Well, they never built it. It's still the same church. And um, I mean, I, I I asked them. I said, "Hey, man, like <laughs> we were supposed to be here to celebrate, like, um, and I, and it wasn't just me, but the people who passed away. There's many people." in the temple who were there for the same reason i was to remember their their uh loved ones who had passed away right okay so he said eventually i i just I, I i just kept going at him i said hey like what's going on i don't think this is fair this is what you guys are preaching it doesn't make any sense and he says you know what if you follow it up it, you will find more and this is not me this is coming from above and he he like just walked away uh. so i was just baffled i was shocked actually that he would actually would tell me that hey you know this is not what we are this is not like my choice. This is something we have to follow. So that started a whole question that has been unraveling for the past five. No, well, four years, four years now.
1: Hmm.
0: And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what the whole purpose of today's podcast is, man, is to kind of just get a, get, get into the topic a little deeper and see what we can understand of what all these organized religions actually mean what are they doing for us and are they helping or are they not helping is there some truth to what they preach um so hopefully you guys are gonna be you know here for the ride and um if you're watching us live feel free to Leave a comment, engage with us. The more questions, the merrier. Uh, religion is a really big topic. It's something that I don't think that Greg and I can handle on our own. I'm sure it will be many, many podcasts, many, many episodes of this. So engage with us. So anyway. I, so I, with, think-
1: with that, I, I grew up in a uh, non-denominational Christian church. As a small church.
0: Um hang, most hang peop- What does that mean? Mm.
1: So there's different denominations. So like, I can't even remember all the, the different types. So it's mostly just the way you see something. So like there's some churches that will baptize babies or there's some churches that uh, will allow women to be leaders of the church. Uh, there's so it's a lot of small things that don't really matter in the big term of everything. Like I don't I don't feel like a baby's not gonna go to, to heaven if they get baptized. Mm-hmm. Like it's more or less traditions and, and differences in traditions. Um so mine didn't take on a certain role. It was it was a little bit more um fundamentalist
0: like we, didn't,
1: we didn't have anything like added in or taken out it was kind of what you read is what you get I see. And, and and growing up I never really thought anything was weird about it outside of like the singing I could never get into singing I I, I think it was personally just me I'm not mm-hmm. a music person. But they would always sing, and and they do the same thing. They ask, they ask you to tithe. But that's one of the things within the Bible that says, give, give an, uh, give a portion uh, of your income to the land, uh, and a portion to the church as tithe, and then uh, spend what spend what you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we would always do that. My parents had us growing up. They would give us an allowance, $10 a week, $1 went to the church, $1 went to savings and the rest, we could do what we wanted with. And so it was, it was more or less essentially thinking of it as if you don't give money, the church can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't have a building. You can't have somewhere to go to if no one's paying for it. So that's how I, I really saw it. And then there were other things where it was like, we would do uh, what are they called? Like fundraisers where like mm-hmm. if the youth group, we we had a missionary team and we would go down to Peru. So we would try to raise money up into the trip to pay for the majority of the trip. So we would do like dinners where uh, the pastor of the church would do a, a sermon at the end of the, the dinner and we would serve food. We would cook the food. And then we would put on some kind of play or something some like puppet shows like we were going to be doing in Peru and things like that to raise money. But I don't remember anything like that where it was like – like we have funerals and weddings in the church. And it wasn't like we were charging people just to do services and then advertising other things. Like, sure, if there was a wedding, they'd probably – charge the person for the wedding to to pay for making sure that you get a sound guy in or 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 the pastor the facilities because if you're gonna open it up and you're gonna cook food and 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 you're gonna have to have insurance and stuff like that obviously so outside of that there was never i never felt like they were trying to take money that wasn't like realistically you had to do if you were to stay open kind of thing.
0: I think that it's more apparent in some, uh, It's, I don't know how to say it.
1: I think it comes down to circumstance. I think it really does because like th- there's a lot of bad people out there and a lot of bad intentions. And if you so happen to end up in the place where the bad intention is, then that's what you think the situation's about mm-hmm. and some, I don't know that there's a lot of differences in expectations from different religions that when you step back and try to look at things, you can justify them. And at the same time say that it's, it's not justifiable. Like how you were saying, like, it's weird that they were asking for donations for all these things yeah during a what is that called is it tech, is it like a know, celebration of life it's,
0: like, uh, uh, it's basically the remembrance of a loved one who passed away and basically yeah you're just uh, rem- you know celebrating their life the life that they had here on earth with us and uh you know, it's supposed to be like a mass It's dedicated to them. Um, it's uh, I mean, that's that's basically the, the way it works. And it okay. I was just I was just put off, you know, it just it wasn't the time, I guess. Like it was the timing that really got me. Um, but within the same lines. When he told me, when the priest told me, he said if this doesn't come from the church, this comes from higher up. So he wasn't, he was referring to the organization. Yeah. You know? And so it it made me look into things, man. It made me look into, actually I got into a lot of bad things. It it, it led me into, into, into a, a place where it was very, very, there, I was finding a lot of negative things on the Catholic Church, and most yeah. of them we already know. You know, some of the most controversial and most known uh, things that had to come out from the Catholic Church has been sexual abuse.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It has been, um, it has been um, sexual abuse of minors, and even in some instances, there has been like. Male escorts who have come out and said, "Hey, you know there are these. There's this, you know, place and at the at the Vatican where I go and and uh, basically have sex with a lot of higher priests or bishops or cardinals or or whatever that is. In, in fact, I'm gonna find that story really quick so that we can put it up here so we can fact check this."
1: This is one of the things about the, uh, the Catholic religion that I've, I've never really understand and I feel like is kind of where you're going with the, the sense of seeing all these bad things within the religion
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that Catholic religions seem to be very heavy on being persuaded by the priests and the bishops. You have to go tell them your sin. you ha- you have to listen to what they tell you is your punishment. And and they're this vessel of God that they're supposed to be speaking to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where where now it seems like your 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 relationship with God is more or less a relationship through someone else to God. And that, that's one of the things that threw me off about it. That it seemed mm-hmm. like it had too much connection to to someone who was uh, what's the word? I want to say conduit to God. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I believe Christianity more because it's all based off of your relationship and no one else can determine what your actual uh, thoughts and actual feelings are. Because you can see me and think I'm sad, but I'm actually happy about something. I'm just not. My face isn't showing it. hmm and that's that's how I feel when when I've learned uh Christianity is that it has more to do with your actual connection to God than it does what you're doing on earth. Your actual intentions.
0: Yeah. And only uh, you
1: you can really know that.
0: Right. I mean that's very um, that's one way to look at it. I mean everybody has many different points of views and different beliefs. And I mean, for the longest time, all civilizations in, in the past have had, they, we all have something in common, which is we always believe in something. And, you know, no one has just, there's just no one single answer. Although there's a lot of commonality and, and, and uh, things that are the same from civilization to civilization to civilization.
1: Yeah, like I think there's a lot of uh, good in multiple religions. Like I I feel like even if you don't believe in the Bible that the Ten Commandments is a pretty good staple for everyone to go by.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: like um uh, like even with like uh like Buddhism and stuff, like be nice to your neighbor, like be be calm, don't <laughs> Don't overreact about things. Be be one with yourself. Like, there's a there's a lot within religions that that everyone can take from.
0: Yeah, and apply um, and are good. It was very famously said by Jordan B. Peterson, who said that if you act and do as the Bible says, your life will inevitably turn out to be a a good life in a sense you know where you're loved by people you you're close to people and if you just act in that way whether you believe it or not and there's something to it you know things will inevitably happen uh, that will lead to positive changes in your life Um, But before we get into that right now, I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to read this article here. It's by... um,
1: You need me to pop it up, right?
0: uh, Let's see. There we go. So this is from... I don't know what this is called. Basically, this is what it says. A gay escort duped into thinking a simple parish priest was a high-powered judge pulls the curtain... Back on the seedy world of priests who pay for sex. So, this guy, his name is um, Francesco capra He says that he discovered that the consensual sex for hire relationship he had with, I'm not gonna say his name, who he thought was a high powered judge was not quite what it seemed. capra who trained as a lawyer, but who apparently found that the male escort business was more profitable had made the discovery quite by chance when he recognized his high dollar client in priest garb. He says he then began to wonder how simple priests could afford such expensive dinners, gifts, and his favorite clients bestowed on him. Um, Only after a local, oh, hang on one second. So the experience with the double life priest was not isolated. And Mangia soon learned that most of his clients who were friends of the priest were also members of the clergy. And that he'd somehow found himself quite unexpectedly the favorite boy toy in a gay priest sex ring. He did what any self-serving male prostitute might do and started researching a book about it called Numero Uno, Confessions de un Marchetatro the number one confessions of a prostitute so that is so crazy dude
1: it is but something too i i don't know enough about the catholic religion to say this but it. i think the catholic religion is starting to be in the sense of saying that like uh homosexuality is not a sin I mean, and
0: that was recent right
1: i i believe it it's been recent enough
0: and four years ago
1: and even even though it's a sin like if you look at it in the christian religion being uh, homosexuality is a sin just Mm -hmm. like lying to your neighbor is a sin or going out and killing someone is a sin or stealing a chocolate bar from the store is a sin they're all equivalent in the sense of it, it can send you to hell one is not more than the other. And so I think a lot of Catholic churches have kind of brought that in, in the sense of saying, you're still welcome. You just need to know what you're doing is a sin. And the other side of that is now priests are kind of doing this, doing the same thing. And they're, they don't see a kind of like the, um, what is that called? The the irony of it, I guess Uh if you preach it, but now you're, you're kind of going against what you're preaching.
0: Hypocrisy. But that's kind of,
1: yeah, but it's also at the same time, I feel like it, it, there is hypocrisy, but at the same time, they, we do know we're humans and we do know we're going to be sinning all the time. The point is, is like how I said, it now comes down to you and God mm-hmm. at that point. If you understand that you're sinning and you, you do feel regret or you do feel um, sorry or you, you do feel uh, the repentance of it, then I believe God would would forgive that sin, whatever it may be. And it's hard for us to really understand that well, because we see things on a scale.
0: Yeah, let, let me uh, give a little bit more insight on this. So basically, Ray, I have a, I'm not even going to open the article. It just says, in 2019, Pope Francis reiterated that the Catholic teaching states that homosexual tendencies are not a sin, but acting upon it is a sin. And that's basically, I guess what, he kind of took that back mm-hmm. and uh, he just took it back.
1: I'm. I'm not saying that this is the same thing, but I've. I've actually heard from a lot of people that I grew up with who who were Catholic, that you can't have sex unless you're married, but if you do, like, like oral sex or anal sex, it's not technically sex, so you're okay doing it. So I don't know if that also is a kind of a thing that applies to it, because it's it's now not sex and it's not they're not going into it as a, um, as like a uh, relationship. So maybe they feel like they're trying, they're kind of getting away w- with it or it's okay to do, but I, well, I can't tell you exactly what <laughs> but that's what I, it is. I think not. I
0: understand what you're saying, but we have to remember that any type of sexual act is still sex, whether it's just I, I, like, how, how could they say if, you put it in the butt. It doesn't count. I <laughs> like that.
1: Because the act... Hold on. Let me get the, the <laughs> definition real quick. Because the... I don't know. It's like saying uh, running and jogging are the same thing. It's technically not. The two words mean something specific. You're doing a similar action, but they're not equivalent. And that's where... That's where it kind of gets into that dicey territory of, oh, you think this, I think that.
0: Well, I who, think who knows? I think that the interpretation definitely doesn't help. So and, the noun
1: the noun so, that I see here, so, is sexual activity, especially sexual intercourse.
0: Yeah, but intercourse means anything. It means uh, between I'm pretty
1: sure sexual intercourse means man and woman.
0: Well, I mean we can't I don't think that's true. I think it just means sexual intercourse whatever in whatever context it means for you. I mean it's different for everybody. Sexual intercourse is sexual intercourse. I don't think it's specific to anything
1: yeah so Webster Webster actually has a little bit more specific. It says either of the two major forms of individuals that occur in many species and that are distinguished uh, respectively as female or male, especially on the basis of their reproductive organs and structures, which means penis and vagina. So it's.
0: What if you have both? <laughs>
1: that's a rare form too it's like saying that that like there's people born with two heads like that's not
0: yeah i don't i don't think we're gonna get stuck here i think the bigger (laughs) question is you know when we have these organized uh religions uh quote-unquote cults and how the what they 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 preach something but they don't actually practice it themselves it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's uh I mean, imagine Greg you you basically you div- your you devote yourself to a higher calling where you become an icon or an idol or a a leader in the community who people will, you know, look up to. Mm-hmm. And and you are you have these strict rules where you can't you, i don't know i think some of them can't marry you can't have sex you have to abstain from any sexual um activities and you basically you can't sin and 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 we all know how hard that is yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you know it's like how can you expect um, I mean, they're supposed to be the divine, right? I mean, I don't know. It's it's
1: that that's the thing, though, is that that's why I didn't understand the Catholic religion because it seems like we need to put these people on some kind of pedestal, but there's really no one better than you but God in in the religion, there's mm-hmm. just no. One. That's why I never understood the whole thing with the Virgin Mary. Like, yeah, she gave birth to Jesus, but she herself was not special in the sense of like how God is special.
0: Well well, yeah I think there's two distinctions. I don't think that they they um compare her to God it's rather she's the mother that God chose to bear his child which was Jesus.
1: Because don't you uh pray
0: to Mary? <sighs> well the thing about that is that it's complicated if you do you don't
1: and basically
0: basically it's just the acknowledgement of the miracle that took place with her you know the whole virgin mary you know an angel came down from the heavens descended upon her to tell her that she would be bearing a child that would be special to the world weren't there so
1: many other miracles within the bible too
0: many many miracles
1: so like that 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 was that's one of the things that i that i see with it that i that i don't understand because why don't you acknowledge those the same way you acknowledge her giving birth
0: i think that the (laughs) well see i'm not an expert i'm not um a devout catholic however i do believe i'm a believer i i believe I believe in the higher energy. I think that's that God is. That's what my perception is. But so so, let me just give you a little bit of context, okay? So I'll watch this documentary. It's called the um, the uh, Guadalupe, the a living image. You can find it on Amazon Prime and. And basically um, they tell you the story of how the Virgin Mary comes to Mexico and she has an an apparition who uh, to the name is Juan Diego. You know, he was walking around in the mountains and she just appeared there for her, for him to see. And she chose him for a specific reason. He didn't know. He didn't know what to do. The first thing he did was run to the church and tell the bishop, like, hey, um, I just saw the Virgin Mary, and she wants us to build a temple on this mountain. And the bishop dismissed him. So this happened twice. Actually happened three times. The second time, she did the same. And she said, you know, Go tell the bishop that please build me a, a temple on this mountain. And Juan Diego, he at this point he didn't know what to do. And he says, you know, he went back to the to the place where he where he saw her. And he says, Mary, give me a sign. I, I don't know what to, to do. They won't believe me. Give me a sign. So she says, Come back here tomorrow at this time, and you will find the sign. Okay. So he didn't show up. He didn't show up because his uncle fell sick. And he was in bed. He was bedridden, and he was on the verge of dying. So, you know, a couple of days passed by. Then Juan Diego comes back to the little mountain, and then he sees flowers that don't grow in Mexico. They don't grow in this area. They don't grow in. in they don't grow in the um, in this region right mm-hmm. so she told him juan take these flowers take them to the bishop and don't show anybody else well he did that he went he had they had the the first people that met him had him wait for a while he eventually then met with the bishop and then the bishop says where is the sign and then he basically unveiled his gavan, which is the uh, the cloth that he wore in order for him to to show them the flowers. Right. Like, hey, these flowers uh, basically grew here. They don't they're not native to this area. And so upon doing that, there was an image of the Virgin Mary imprinted on his cloth. And then that's when the miracle, that was the miracle. Everybody believed him and they did just that. They built her temple there. And um, basically the documentary is very interesting in the way that they, it's actually, it's really interesting that they kept the cloth. Now I was trying to do some more research to understand if it was the actual cloth that Juan Diego had And it's kind of, there's a lot of gray area, Mm. but it's said that it is. Um, And basically what they say is that uh, NASA, a team of NASA engineers did many, many studies. A lot of people have done research on this cloth and they can't tell how this cloth that was made by agave fibers has lasted so long. Um, I forget the exact how many years has it been me so there's so, been a um, lot
1: of circumstances like that through uh, through the years doesn't necessarily have to do with that but like when it comes down to like the pyramids and how they're aligned on the earth and other things like uh, Noah's Ark they said they've found Noah's Ark um, talking about like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Like there, there's so many things throughout history that seem to be not completely explainable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it it gives me a guess as to like they just signed that stimulus, right? And they put in that like 180 days to release everything about UFOs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. And we think about UFOs as these ships or something. Like, what if it's just what we think angels are, or we're misunderstood in the sense of what we think an angel is? What what if what we think angels and God is is actually in the, out there in the physical form, but we've we've perceived it some other way? Like, what if what if wings was just uh, there the the way yeah. they breathe in space or something?
0: Yeah. Like, so, I I understand. Okay. So this uh-huh. is where it gets interesting. So I'm going to pull up a picture of that. Um, where is it? Oh. Here. Can you share my screen? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is the, apparently it's the original picture. Okay. The cloth, right? Basically.
1: Wait, that's the original cloth? Uh-huh. So you're telling me that this just uh, uh, appeared... Oh, the guy!
0: No, do you know what? This is, I don't think this is the one.
1: I feel. Oh, okay. It I was, was imagining something like how you know how some people like get toast that has the a picture of like Michael Jackson, and they sell it, and you can kind of see like it looks like Michael Jackson, but that looks like someone painted it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is I think is enlarged, but it's supposed to be like a Gavan, maybe this size. Yeah. And so, you'll see here that um, they say, so NASA publicized results of the related examination of Our Lady of Guadalupe. It was established with instruments of the eye specialist that, in in the picture, the eyes of Mary's retinas was exposed to light, similar to the human's eye, expand and contract. The researchers have also concluded that the temperature of the cloth where the image can be observed is permanently 36.6 degrees, such as a healthy human's body temperature. The image has also been examined with a stethoscope. The scientists have measured a pulse of 115 beats a minute at Mary's belt, which corresponds with the number of fetal heart rate, which means that it coincides yeah. with the theory that she gave birth to Jesus. Um
1: Hold on one second. You're you're about to read it, and it, it it I'm tripping. Is NASA not the NASA I'm thinking about? No, it is the space NASA. Yes. Did you, like, did I not just talk about space, like UFOs? Why is NASA do- doing this? Out of anyone who could do it, why is NASA doing it?
0: This is where it gets really interesting, dude. <laughs> so so nasa engineers have also stated that the paint so this is the paint so you have to imagine so the cloth it was an apparition of the virgin mary right yeah it was painted as if somebody painted it Mm -hmm. with perfect colors yeah so they stated that the paint with, with which the image was made does not exist on earth and has never existed in the beginning of the 20th century, a bomb was detonated next to the image. As a result of this, everything was destroyed in a large circular radius. The image, however, remained intact. So this... What? So, so this is like... You know, it, it's it, ha, it has to... You have to question things like, okay, maybe I don't believe in the Catholic Church, but when, when I hear these things from actual researchers who did the research on the cloth and they can't explain how this image on this cloth lasted so long, for so long. See, like,
1: it's weird, too, because why does that hold any significance to anything, though? A cloth with a picture of Mary on it. What, what is that? like? I can understand Noah's Ark like being around still because it actually served a purpose
0: okay. but like
1: what does that actually serve I guess you said it was a way of of uh, showing like that they were actually present
0: so at this That's time the- I believe that there was a lot of famine in Mexico there was a lot of uh, like I think it was during the time of war actually and they were people were disparaged. And they they think that, that that's the reason why she came as an apparition to Juan Diego, as a sense of hope, because uh, I don't think that um that this was introduced to to them yet at this point. So if I'm gonna share my screen one more time, yeah, maybe
1: NASA is just trying to get to heaven and not really trying to get to space. <laughs>
0: To the heavens, right? Yeah. So if you look, Greg, if you look here, okay. it shows this. So for the people that are just listening to to uh, the podcast, I'm showing a picture. If you want to just go on Google, type in Guadalupe Golden Ratio, you'll see the painting that I'm referring to. Basically, in this painting, you can see the golden ratio which is used everywhere amongst all life forms the fact that somebody was able you know like who was going to know that back then when you have these mary indians which that i think that's what they're called you know how do they know how to paint this perfectly in such symmetry uh the colors there is like um a lot of hidden messages in the cloth. Like for instance, if you look closely into the, um, I forget what the, I forget what this is a cloth is called, but it has constellations of the exact. So researchers have been able to go back in time and to see, you know how we can kind of look forward in time and, and then in the past, by the view of the stars, by the yeah. position of the stars. Yeah. so her her mantle is exactly coincides with the exact date that the apparition happened and that's the mantle represents the constellations that were present at the at that time on that day. okay And the apparition happened during the day. So who, how could they have known what constellation was there at that time?
1: Oh, you mean those stars were aligned like that when it was daytime? So you wouldn't have been able to see uh-huh. exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay. So there, there's a lot of uh, little things like that that really caught my attention, man. Interesting. It It definitely has made me question things more.
1: The thing that's making me question the most is NASA doing it. If anyone else was doing it, I'd be like, eh, whatever. They're just, they're looking. But NASA, NASA, does NASA do things I'm not aware of now?
0: Oh, 100%. Well,
1: no, I mean, like, they they focus on going to space and and space stuff. Like, why would they spend the time to analyze this, this, this clock? Like, Um, how how does that help them with space?
0: (laughs) Dude, Chris Chris Ayala just said NASA never access space again. <laughs> oh <Holy> shit, son. Oh. <laughs> so check, interesting. check this out. Um it says here on the other article I, I was reading. It says Adolfo Orozco. Research physis- physicist reports that there is no scientific explanation for the still surviving tilma. Over 10 years, similar clots become ruined by the local moist, salty air. The copy, for example, which was made using the most advanced technology in, 19- in 1789, was placed behind protective glass, totally faded for eight years. In contrast to the original unprotected tilma, which has not been damaged after more than a hundred years by the UV rays, the moist, salty air and tens of thousands of lit candles near the image. So that's uh, it's definitely very, very interesting, dude.
1: Yeah, I I feel like I've heard of, about this before, but I didn't I didn't read much about it. You didn't go deep. Very good fine
0: Yeah, dude, it's, it's, uh, so like I said, it's like, maybe I lost faith in the, in the organization rather than the faith in God, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean what else did we get into? We watched the, um, I watched the secrets of the Dead Sea Scrolls and I learned a little bit about the, the people, the in scenes who, um, uh, do you have anything on this, Greg?
1: Yeah. So, um, the term you just said, I'm not, I didn't hear much about it, but I I heard the story of how they found the, the squirrels mm-hmm. that, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. Bedwin shepherds. Uh, there was a shepherd boy from the region that was out. I, I'm assuming he was just out walking around with, with the sheep or out for a walk or something. He w- was strolling around some caves and ended up going inside and he saw all these like urns and he saw the scrolls, and, and that's how they discovered them. Um mm-hmm. uh, and the scrolls were written by a group called, oh, okay, the Essenes. I, I, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So I, I was reading it differently. The Essenes group was a uh, highly educated priests of the time uh, who were thrown out of Jerusalem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the scrolls are kind of what they thought Jerusalem uh, should be. And that well- Jerusalem was like unpure. And they wanted to, like, destroy
0: it? Yeah, so let's get, let's go back a little bit. So the conventional theory is that some of those works were written or copied by Azalea's Jewish sect, identified Mm. by most scholars as the Essenes, who led an ascetic life in the desert. However, there is now general agreement that the collection also includes scrolls that originated from outside the sect, written by other learned individuals of that period. Accordingly, the questions of which texts are unique to the sect and which were brought in from outside of Crucial for understanding the significance of the text and to what extent they presented the ideas in currency in Judea of the latter second devil. So basically, uh, like you said, there was a group who kind of broke away from civilization because they had this knowledge that was passed down then written down and basically they were awaiting for the return of the prophet. and so yeah. they waited there for i believe it was 200 years and it was a little i forget what the place is called did you have that uh
1: i don't have it written down i i knew if i wrote it wrote it down i would mispronounce it
0: so basically it's like a it was near a cave in the Qumran, Qumran yes. area west of the Dead Sea. And um, so the, they, these people there, they wrote down much of what, I don't know if you would consider like the beginning of Christianity. Like the, the, the same um, concepts, the same knowledge. Uh, that was passed down to them and basically they were just trying to protect it i mean at that time i think rome was invading and so they hid it in the cave and then i forget how many years later like you said a shepherd named muhammad he entered the cave and he found uh, jars of containing parchment scrolls wrapped in linen And so, I mean, this is where people think that that the Jewish sect sprang up during that time, one of which would morph into Christianity.
1: Camera keeps going up.
0: I don't know why. But um, so was this ever taught in in uh, in any of the sermons or you know the time that you spent with? Because you went to an all Christian school, right?
1: Yeah, but the stuff history? like that, or I went for three years. Yeah, but it, it, the history we did was not, it wasn't any different than history would have been done in a, in a public school. Uh, we did, however, have a Bible class, and in the Bible class, it was strictly the Bible, it wasn't like history of the world. And things that have happened is just strictly like the Bible, like memorize Bible verses, understand meanings, stuff like that. So it, we didn't really talk about this. But uh, within the documents, it's said to be the oldest Bible. Oh, sorry. The oldest Bible um, called the Great Isaiah Scroll.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The oldest document that we have that's the Bible. And it's supposed to hold up to the Bibles that we're printing to this day, which is kind of a a big a big deal because it kind of shows that we haven't like whittled it down in a sense. We didn't take out what we wanted and put in what we wanted. Mm-hmm. It's been consistent for it Millennium. says over two thousand years.
0: For millennia.
1: Yeah. You and it also what? supposed to be the oldest document of the Ten Commandments as well.
0: You know what's really interesting? Hmm. Is that when when the when they found these pieces, they found about 25,000 fragments where, you know, it was all like a jigsaw puzzle. They had to put things together in order for them to decipher what they said. Yep. And so imagine, first of all, this was so powerful that it made a a a group of people Leave civilization in order to protect knowledge and await a prophet. Imagine that. I mean, the size of the people, the the community, must have been, you know, of, at least a a hundred or or a few hundred.
1: Think of it; they got cast out of Jerusalem. If be the size of a church,
0: uh huh. Maybe the church
1: got, church got kicked out. Kind of concept It'd be the easiest way for us to see.
0: And then, so imagine that much work went into, uh, keeping the knowledge. So when researchers got into the, into actually finally researching this, there's a uh, six steps that they had to take. So first they collected all the crumbs, uh, containing antiquities, um, Israel antiquities authority staff scrape crumbs from scroll fragments and place them in test tubes. Then you have to transport them to a lab. I think they have they took them to Sweden. Then they have to release the
1: I love how it's just transport them in backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> like you're telling me you took all these little fragments, put them in two and then just put them in a backpack? You didn't have some, like, secured hard case, temperature control.
0: Like (laughs) Release of DNA. So crumbs transferred to a test tube containing a liquid that dissolves the cells and extracts the genetic material from the crumbs. Then the replication of DNA, special enzymes, and the liquid replicate the genetic material in millions of copies. Then five sequencing of genetic material. A genetic sequencer reads the bits of the replicated DNA and transmits the information to a computer. Then connecting the sequences with the computer algorithms and reassemble the DNA sequences and remove any genetic contamination. It is now possible to compare the DNA sequence of the fragments. So they had to do this in order for them to fit the the, the jigsaw puzzle together. Because they Mm -hmm. weren't sure that if... I mean, it took them years, years and years and years to do this. Imagine you have 25,000 fragments of, of this parchment paper, right? Yeah. You have to test every single piece to match another piece that was... Because back then they wrote on dried goat skin. So they needed to match the DNA... In order to find out what group that piece of paper uh belonged to uh-huh. so there's people who dedicated their lives to this project dude
1: yeah it it's actually really interesting uh when you look at where the the scroll is displayed
0: uh-huh.
1: you can see how much work went into it. <laughs>
0: can it's, can you show us really, a picture for the for the people watching live uh let me bring one up
1: but um something that i saw too that was a little interesting is that it says it has every uh part of the bible except for uh Esther for what for Esther the book of Esther Where So there's like there there's the different books in in oh, within the bible cool. the different yeah the, yeah yeah
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't have that, so I don't know if that means anything, but um uh, hmm. image here. I feel like it would be a cool thing to go a- and see like uh uh, I went to Washington um all right here i'll I'll say after this. So this is how they display it. It's a giant circle. Um, and they have them all spread out and displayed there. So you can walk around and you can see it well lit. Where is this? This is in... Uh,
0: Israel? Israel, I'm assuming. Oh, you, you know where they are? I think that they're at the Israel Museum called, I think also known as the Rockefeller Museum. Uh, Do you know that?
1: Uh, I don't think that's what it was called. Let's see, Scrolls.
0: No, Chris. Actually, oh, yes, I den. have watched The Da Vinci Code. I don't quite remember it, though. I think I need a refresher on that.
1: The Da Vinci Code is crazy. I actually was talking about that today as say one of my friends uh he doesn't he likes to learn and he if he if he can't understand it and he's not smarter than you at it, he gets really upset. And so I I, I refer that he he's that one guy who whips himself in the back like um trying to punish himself. That's that, and that, uh I guess if if you've seen the movie you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I can't find the name of the place. I keep yes. seeing that I guess they brought some of the Dead Sea Scroll to Denver and it was on display.
0: Uh, let's see. Well, that was weird. Yeah, you just put museum in Jerusalem. I think it's the Rockefeller Rockefeller Museum. Yeah. so the Rockefeller Museum formerly the Palestine Archaeological Museum which is located in East Jerusalem houses a large collection of artifacts unearthed in excavations conducted in mandatory uh, I think this is where they are man I'm pretty sure Okay but don't you find it interesting that it's a big name of a, it's a big family name that we all know. If you you know, it's a one of those families that are said to pull the strings on the world.
1: Who are you talking about?
0: The Rockefeller Museum. Oh, okay. The Rockefeller name. I,
1: I was a piece of that together. <laughs> <laughs> it. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff like that because if you think about it, how how even writing, just being able to write that information most people didn't know how to read and write back then so these people were documenting something they found to be very important
0: mm-hmm.
1: Would they have spent all that time documenting that stuff and 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 being cast out like usually if you're you'd ha- you'd have to be a really smart person to be able to do that
0: mm-hmm. back
1: then like th- th- those would be people who who are very well educated, regardless if they know what they're doing or not. Like you could say there are very educated people who are also not very smart. But like you can clearly tell that these people had to be educated in some sort of way. And we now even want to look back on that to see why people were doing this And what we could do to better ourselves or to get more strength
0: what's interesting it says that in recent years the theory about the qumran scribal practice came in for criticism but now the researchers have shed new light on the subject until now this group of scrolls was characterized according to philological markers and now we have also biological markers which means that they can identify when they were uh, written and where they were placed where they came from and and all of that So mm-hmm.
1: the another thing I was watching them uh, do stuff like within the lab when when they would like try to piece pieces of the uh, the scrolls together mm-hmm. that they would actually put some of them, not on a scanner, but they would use a computer to to change the lighting. And as you change the lighting, you could kind of see like the bleeding of the pen through the paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you could see more
0: yeah, think than the infra- naked eye could. Infrared lighting, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, imagine, Greg, religion will shift perspectives. It will shift the world in many ways. It will move people. Right? Yeah. It's definitely interesting how much religion has an impact on people. In fact, wouldn't you say that during these times of despair, um, religion and faith in, in, in a higher power is actually sort of, well, you can use it as a coping mechanism It will definitely be helpful if there's something, you know, that you believe in that is said to help when you pray. Um, There's many uh, upsides to being part of a community who believes you have a sense of community. You have people around you who love you. Um, I mean, particularly during this time, I think, I think for a a long time, for a long part of my life, I had kind of forgotten, you know, this whole, this whole sense of uh, belonging to a religion. And like I mentioned before, uh, I kind of fell, I fell out of it because of a personal experience with the church. But, you know, just kind of researching all of this, it's kind of shed some light into perhaps what might be a new beginning for me in terms of faith. Um, But I'll see, I'll see where that goes.
1: I do want to share really quick. uh, This is a better picture of what the Dead Sea Scroll looks like. It almost kind of looks like a circular stamp that they put the scroll around. That looks like a stamp, doesn't it? Or almost kind of even like a, a spinning top, like a, a dreidel-ish kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I wonder what that's supposed to represent.
1: But I just want to share that because this actually gives you the whole picture of it. Because it's within this dome. And on the outside of the dome, they actually shoot water at the dome. Because it's supposed to like help with the temperature with inside of it mm-hmm. and preserve the squirrels better. Huh. That's... That'll be interesting.
0: There was there was another one, another documentary I watched, which was called um, "One Day in the Haram." Okay, it's basically it's a it, it glimpse inside Islam's holiest site. So it's actually um, this one is it's uh, located in Mecca. The Great Mosque of Mecca. And it's basically this. Um, it's just basically it's a it's a cube. It's a black cube.
1: Yeah, I'll bring it up right now.
0: It's a it's basically it's a major focal point. which what rep, what it represents. How is it to which prayers are said there? And when let's see, let me see if I can find it here.
1: Is that where inside of it there's supposed to be like uh uh like treasures and robes and stuff? I and that you're not supposed to lay eyes on it or something like that?
0: I don't know, dude. It's it the I mean it was basically just telling you more about the magnitude of this like this belief this idea the magnitude of how it just shifts people. For for instance, there's a uh, here hang on. I keep forgetting what it what it was called because it's in a different language so it didn't stick well.
1: Okay. Oh the movie was uh, in uh or the documentary was
0: yeah I mean yeah it was uh It had English commentary, but most of the words and the phrases that they use was in a different language. I Uh, kind of
1: feel like I have seen it.
0: Now that that I saw the picture of it,
1: it looks a lot more familiar. uh Uh-huh. Oh, this is interesting. It says, spent over uh, the director... Uh, I'm probably going to destroy the name. Abrar Hussein spent over a year researching different aspects of the Haram, a place so revered that non-Muslims are forbidden from even setting foot in it to Mm -hmm. bring a complete vision of the workings of the Haram. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so you have to be a practicing Muslim in order to be able to set foot there. Um, it says here that the pilgrimage to a holy site is a principle of almost all faiths. The Kaaba, meaning cube in Arabic, is a square building elegantly draped in silk and cotton veil. Apparently, that um, cloth is the most expensive cloth in the world, rightly so, you know.
1: Well, because they can't really sell it. (laughs) <laughs> that's the thing when when it's one of a kind it has a story and no one's gonna get rid of it you can't just get rid of it like if someone so, were to have bought it
0: no like, dude it has so apparently it's it's lined with um gold and silver like it's got phrases in like laid out throughout the whole uh cube on every side and um yeah, apparently it's the most expensive cloth in the world.
1: Uh, isn't isn't there supposed to be said? Um, I don't know if it's in Jerusalem too that they they have the robe of Jesus, and it's been widely like criticized by people within the religion and not in the religion.
0: Wait, say again.
1: Don't they, don't they have the robe of Jesus? Don't they call it something um, it's called? Uh, yeah, it's right it's let me find out where it is.
0: While you find that I'm gonna share this with you So Chris just said what blows my mind is the potential list in translation. Just knowing English and Spanish, I often find it easy to lose intent, meaning, and verbiage in translating. That's very true. Now, now imagine doing that to a book hundreds of times in dozens of languages. It's also very true. And I actually find that quite impressive that a book can be rewritten in many, many different languages, but still hold its meaning. That's very interesting.
1: So it's called the Seamless Robe of Jesus. And uh, let's see. They they have it. I'm just trying to find out exactly where they have it displayed. Is it Greece? No. Here, I'll show the picture of it first. So it's kind of this oval. Kind of almost looks like an eye. So like, there's like an... There's an eye going around, and then there's a circle in the middle, like the, the, what is it called? The iris of your eye, right?
0: Mm hmm.
1: The, the pupil. Oh, and wow. inside the pupil is a robe.
0: Uh huh.
1: And that's said to be the robe that Jesus wore during the crucifixion.
0: Wait, what? Yeah. That's supposed to be the one?
1: Yeah. But it's been very widely, like, criticized. Why? Because there's not enough proof for it, I guess.
0: Is there DNA evidence?
1: Well, is there DNA evidence of of Jesus? Do we have Jesus's DNA? Like, what do you
0: mean? (laughs) Wasn't there, wasn't there a, um, I just, I remember that there was like an article in 2012 or something like that, where they actually found what appeared to be the humans remains of Jesus. Um, you hear about that? You remember that?
1: I mean, I hear that I'm sure I've heard it plenty of times. <sighs> Come on, it's like not telling me where. And on the mini worldwide, yada yada yada. No, so, I I haven't heard anything that. People are claiming that it is. I've heard over the years I've been alive that people claim that these bones are Jesus Christ and those bones are. And so I've never. I never thought, but at the same time, like, does it really matter if they're his bones? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not praising his his manly flesh or anything like that. You know what I mean?
0: Mm hmm.
1: Like that, that doesn't get you in heaven if you find his bones and you touch them or anything like that. Like that's almost, it that almost seems like, like you're going against the religion. You're using his bones as a sense of like idolism. Yeah. And, and that's another sin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. it's cool. Like, sure. If we found the bones or we found the robe and we put them on display. Cool. But don't uh, don't go around saying like come and touch the robe and it's going to give you healing powers. Like yeah. the robe is not what healed people; he is what healed people.
0: <laughs> right. So, before we move on from the from this black cube, I found this on the internet, and full disclosure, the the website is called Alienation Corporation. So, be advised. It may be very uh it might be out there, but I'm what? just gonna give it a go.
1: What was it called again?
0: Alienation Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So so they're they talk about this black cube, right? And they're wondering, is it indicative of glo- of global or cold worship? Is it okay. a not so secret blueprint of the next biggest technology in the making? Is this cube a symbol for yet another state secret dealing with the extraterrestrials? Regardless of whatever the black cube symbolizes, the fact is undeniable that this box, that this cube box is a great mystery which with the evolution of the internet and growing human interest can no longer be unveiled can be viewed uh, under abstractionism. So there's a few things. Uh, number okay. one, Oh, excuse me. Thanks. So, number one, um, let's see here. So, the historic relevance that surrounds Saturn is much larger than the planet's size, which is the second largest in the solar system—a giant ball of gases, which, with stunningly beautiful gaseous, gaseous rings. Saturn's connections with religion and ancient societies are expansive. Named after the Roman god of wealth, Saturn's astronomic symbol represents God's sickle. All the questions and mysteries surrounding Saturn starts with the eerie rhyming of this gorgeous planet's name with the God's archenemy, Satan. By just removing the R or silencing it, the word literally spells and sounds Satan. The the biblical villainization of Satan is deeply rooted in the obsession of the satanic powers with wealth accumulation. Is it then a coincidence that Saturn is named after the god of wealth himself? Is this naming a chillingly accurate means of labeling this planet the god of Satan's or the Satan of gods? Maybe another strong indicator of the close relationship between Satan and Saturn is number six. A truly prolific number in the study of Satanism and religion. It is common knowledge that the numbers number of the beast, as termed in the book of Revelation, can join to number to form the number of the beast, okay? Also known as the devil's number, the number six brings up just too many times to be a coincidence with the correlation to Saturn. So what correlation you may ask? Number one, Saturn is the sixth planet in the solar system. Number two, Saturn forms the name Saturday, which is the sixth day of the week. Saturn's north pole is six-sided. Saturn has most has six most well-defined rings. The seventh one is quite faint.
1: Part- uh, but there's seven, though. So right, that, boom, gotta throw that one out. <laughs>
0: Apart from the connections between Saturn and six, the similarities between Saturn and Satan are plenty too. In ancient Babylon, the the people of Babylon who were pioneering technological geniuses of their time constructed a very tall hexagonal tower that had a cube at the very top. Atop this black cube, Babylonians climbed up to fight Satan himself. The tower was also constructed facing... Saturn itself. The story raises many questions, but the most pressing amongst them is how did this ancient nation know where Saturn was? Saturn's exact shape, rings, and beauty have been the subject of poems, fables, centuries old, much earlier than the Galileo's telescopic invention. The level of information on Saturn and its accuracy amongst ancient populations is a proof that Saturn's history has much more to unearth than has been discovered by the renaissance men okay so let's uh, so now this. Is where they...
1: there's an image on that video of santa claus flying to saturn <laughs> 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 oh, clickbait, huh? nice.
0: A clickbait but you see that i don't know why they represent this black cube here to be you know, in conjunction with what they just mentioned.
1: Oh, the, it kind of looks like in, uh, in the Avengers, the Tesseract, but the Tesseract is blue.
0: The Tesseract.
1: The Tesseract. Yeah. Because it gets it from off planet too.
0: Uh-huh. It comes from <laughs> off planet. Huh? It says, so in the theorizations regarding these geometrical shapes are myriad, and unbelievably creative. However, answers from the state in science are nil. If account religious aspects from the Kabat to Jewish headgear, headgear and the Buddhist stupas, big black boxes symbolize something sanctimonious or God himself in various religious beliefs. Saturn and the black cube to collide at a religious intersection, one that is ruled by Saturnian cults. These cults have worshipped Saturn and Satan for centuries now. Members of these cults, according to non-academic reports, so just people on the street, are persons with significant wealth and local influence. No contemporary confirmed members have been outed as of yet. So, I mean, there's a lot.
1: So we should just get a bunch of like black cubes and walk around to elite people and just hand it to them and see what they do
0: well remember GameCube oh GameCube um,
1: (laughs) the Dreamcast they were trying to put us into a
0: dream Dreamcast oh man what's another one what's something that's cube like nowadays
1: those monoliths
0: no I think they were triangles yeah so
1: Chris I'm not sure trigger
0: cubes (laughs) speaking of using his bones watch the movie Mother featuring Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem it speaks to religion idolizing and its effect on humans and earth ooh that sounds like a good movie by the way Chris what do you think if we were to do a movie night and we kind of sort of do some uh, commentary on the movie, while uh, maybe we can. I think Greg, you mentioned something that we can stream somewhere on Twitch. There's a there's a way to stream movies, but obviously everybody has to have their own user and pass.
1: So we would we would just have to put like the time up on the screen. So like if I screen captured the the time on, let's say we're watching it on Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. When we pause it, they pause it. So they have to keep control of theirs. And we just keep the timing on our screen so they know where we are within the within whatever we're watching.
0: Either that or we just do like a synopsis of the movie. There was this Chris, Greg, there's a movie I just watched that turned the tables for me, man. It yeah. just turned me inside out, dude. It was it was bad. It's called uh it's called Suspita I think I wa- I think it's on Amazon Prime let me check dude this movie is insane if you guys have Amazon Prime go watch Suspita. i I wonder if Greg will watch it with me on a movie night I don't I don't know I think he's kind of uh squeamish when it comes to these kind of things I just
1: don't like horror movies.
0: It's bad. Like you you're thinking like the grudge. No. It's it's like ten times worse than that. Nah. Uh the movie is basically about a um a it's a like uh it's like a dance academy with witches. Oh, but hell no. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, I was watching this with Sergio and we I actually had to pause the movie and kind of look at him and say, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> like, what are we watching? This is too crazy. I had never watched a movie like that.
1: Like some it people was, say, y'all need Jesus.
0: <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. Like so, I, I definitely, yeah, it was bad.
1: I f- I found where the the robe, uh, Jesus's robe is displayed. It's in a, I might mispronounce it, but Trier in Germany. Uh, so, but see, like that's the that's one of the weird things is where was, where was Jesus crucified.
0: Well, he was crucified by the Romans, right?
1: Yeah. So would they not have been in Rome?
0: Okay. Why don't we take a look?
1: So how did it end up in Germany? I mean, if you think about it, if someone saw this guy, (laughs) (laughs) they put it in a vial and took it on a backpack on a plane (laughs) to Germany. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sure. Maybe they found it somewhere else and then they brought it here
0: so- according to the New testament jesus was Jesus was crucified at a spot outside Jerusalem called Golgotha. I don't know how you say that, which in Aramaic means place of the school. The Latin word for school is Calvaria, and in English many Christians refer to the site of the crucifixion as Calvary. Whoa, wasn't that the name of
1: the school I went to yeah
0: see it's all connected greg <laughs> we're in the matrix so, okay
1: but i mean that's nowhere near rome
0: but the <laughs> but the romans were actually taking over the world they they were one yeah. of the people that were taking over many many countries and if if you go back to uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls they found a jar right and on the jar it was it was written Roma which means Rome and I wonder if they kind of just left that as a hint like Rome was coming and that's all like that's what we had to we just that's all we had we just had to hide it
1: So looking on the map, it's where the uh, Golgotha, Golgotha, where Jesus was uh, crucified, Mm -hmm. is not far from the Dead Sea.
0: In Jerusalem? Yeah. In Israel? Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Gosh, man.
1: I'm looking at the Dead Sea, actually, and it's the Dead Sea is split up between. Is it technically? What what is that considered? Because there's there's a whole thing with the separation of Israel, right?
0: Uh, I'm not one hundred percent sure. So I
1: don't know if they're considered like states or countries or like provinces but it's split up into four different territories.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: pretty interesting. I mean, where, where is that one place where they say, uh, uh, it has a lot of healing powers the, the, the salt or the sand,
0: the dead sea.
1: Is it the dead sea? No, uh-huh. it's the red, the red the red sea, red sea, is that what it is?
0: No, the Dead Sea, I'm pretty sure.
1: Is it? Where they just they literally just sell that as like a healing product and people use it on face scrub. Uh, and...
0: Well the Dead Sea waters contain minerals as magnesium, bromide, and sodium. The mud contains these minerals with soothing clay. Okay, we... yeah. So they go there
1: and, and, and they'll like sit in the sit yeah. in it and it's supposed to actually Detoxify. like. Almost like having medicine. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It's okay, supposed yeah. to. It's supposed to suck all the toxin, all the toxins out of your body. All
1: right.
0: So I mean, this is really interesting, man. It's just, it's a lot.
1: <laughs> it is.
0: It's a lot. I mean, I I watched like three two hour documentaries. It's. And I still have a lot of questions.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's so interesting, too. As you watch, like, more and more things, stuff starts, like, the world starts piecing together a little bit in your head. So, like, I've been watching a show called Vikings. And they end up in Iceland and Greenland. And the whole time I watched the movie they they were between a bunch of different countries. They're from Norway. They went to, um, Denmark to, uh, the Silk Road to, um, to England. And they got lost in sea between Iceland and Greenland. And it kind of started piecing the world together a little bit for me in an area that I've never been before or, or don't usually tend to pay attention to in my normal day life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's kind of a cool concept and that, and the con uh, the conversation tonight is kind of pieced together a little bit more of, of Israel for me and, and the history of just the world, even if you don't believe any of the religious side of it. It still pieces together some sort of the history.
0: I'll tell you, man, there's something to it. You know, there, there's a reason why uh, the Bible has been rewritten over and over and over and over. And it still hasn't lost its meaning. As Chris pointed out earlier, it's, it's very interesting that, that the concepts, the teachings and the lessons in the Bible They actually work if you put them into practice. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, we don't really know. Right. I mean, I talked to my, um, to my doctor and I I asked him, he's, he's a, you know, he's 94. He's been, he's been around for a long time for basically a, a, a century. And I asked him, I said, what do you think about this? He says, there is evidently there is an energy that is that is way too big for us to comprehend as humans. And when he said that, you know, I kind of got the chills because I felt it. you know I, I, I we were outside. I'm looking over in in the horizon the sea it's there's an ocean, there's trees. There's homes, there's people, but the sea, like just it's crazy to think that the sea would have this much of an impact on me, on anybody. Like, you know, you you've been to the to the ocean, you've been Mm -hmm. to the beach and it's in us to, you know, almost be in an awe of the magnificence of life like you like for example a couple weekends we talked about how you went to the mountains I went to the mountains that same weekend mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever stopped and looked around and said man it, this is like not an accident how is this happening you know yeah. I stopped and I and I I thought just that and I asked myself that question and said how is this possible you know there's nature kind of just it kind of just I don't know I think we're always looking for something that it's it's been here all along you know whether it's an idea or it's a belief or there, it's always been here. It's been, it, had, it has been here before us. It will be here before. It will be here after us. And. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I have anything much more to say than that. Like. Just. Life. Is so bizarre. The fact that I'm here. We're talking. Through. Th- the internet. Where our parents couldn't couldn't do this back in the day like this you know like i think that we we give ourselves too much credit on creating things that we forget about the you know about the real things that matter in life which is like who created the mountains who created this world like why why haven't we seen uh neighbors if they exist i mean you mentioned earlier you know the the covid relief bill where the uh, the government is supposed to release information on what they have on ufos so is this all an accident is, is this like what is what is all this you know mhm so um I think that I think that this conversation is not over. I think that we have many many more podcasts in this topic. I hope that we can get to in, in the next few uh episodes. Yeah. So uh I think we beat the dead horse.
1: Yeah, we'll have to I get some to more information and come back with.
0: So uh before we continue uh, or before we end this podcast, why don't you tell the people where they can find us?
1: Check us out on all uh, podcasting platforms, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, too many to name, but anywhere you get your uh, your podcasts, we are there. Uh, you can check us out on, I mean, you're on our channel right now. If, if you're watching on YouTube, um, we... We do all of our recordings live. Uh, we also post on our Instagram. Uh, funny little video about ten minutes before we go live every week, and uh, we, we like to hear different topics. If you guys want to talk about something, we can we can deep dive in, and get some information on at least a week ahead, just so we have time not not the day day before. And uh, you can check our uh, merchandise store at teespring it's in the description of our youtube uh videos and uh yeah we're looking good
0: keep on keeping on and to end the podcast i'm gonna reread the quote from the lyrics of the song by Depeche mode have did you ever listen to that song greg
1: uh yeah i've heard
0: it it's a good song bad or whatever but it had had to do with what we were talking about today so that's why I chose that song so here let me me read that again before we take off and it goes like this it goes I don't want to start any blasphemous rumors but I think that God's got a sick sense of humor and when I die I expect to find him laughing And with that, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Chris, for being here the entirety of our show. Uh, We hope to invite you to come on um, in the next couple of weeks, and we will see everybody else later.
1: See you guys.